The following program does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Reality Radio 101, its advertisers and sponsors, or its listening audience. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show, here on Reality Radio 101. In this radio show and podcast, we learn about fruit trees, permaculture, arboriculture, and so much more. So if you love trees, and especially fruit trees, or if you're interested in living a more sustainable life, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Susan Poisner of the Fruit Tree Care Training website, OrchardPeople.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner. To contact Susan live right now, send her an email in studio101 at gmail.com. And now, right to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. Hi, everyone. Did you know that there are literally thousands of varieties of apples in the world? And each one has its own personality. For instance, you can find red apples, green apples, and yellow apples, and a combination of those colors in the skin. Some apples have crisp white flesh inside. Others may have flesh that's pale cream colored or even a buttery yellow. And there are also pink or scarlet fleshed apples. But apple diversity isn't just interesting because of how the apples look. It's also how they taste. Some are sweeter and some are tart. Some have floral undertones like the faint taste of rose or honey. Others may be more spicy tasting, and yet others may taste a little bit like mango, kiwi, or lime. So in today's episode of the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast, we are going to have an apple tasting party to learn how to evaluate an apple's flavor. So whether you grow your apple trees in your own backyard, or if you just enjoy buying apples from the supermarket or the farmer's market, you will be able to evaluate and compare those apple flavors. And so I have two guests on the show today. Yael Hickok is a volunteer who cares for Boyer's Orchard in Anchorage, Alaska, where passionate fruit tree growing hobbyist Bob Boyer planted over 120 varieties of apple trees, many of them rare or heirloom trees. Also, I have Dr. Amy Bowen, Director of the Consumer Insights Group at Vineland Research and Innovation Centre in Ontario. Amy has expertise in sensory and consumer science and has led the Apple Tasting Sensory Evaluation Panels at Vineland since 2012. Now, during the show, I want to hear from you, the listeners. Tell me, what is your favourite apple to eat? Do you like supermarket varieties or do you grow amazing heirloom or rare apple varieties in your own backyard? 
email us during the live show with your comment or with a question or even just to say hi, and we will enter you into this month's contest. And this month we have two separate prizes. The first is a copy of The Apple Cookbook by Olwyn Woodier, valued at $14.95. And the second prize is a set of Vineland stainless steel tasting glasses and a Vineland pen set. So email us right now at instudio101 at gmail.com and remember to include your first name and where you're writing from. That's instudio101 at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. So now our guest. First, I want to say hello to Yael Hickok. Hi, Yael. Welcome hello. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And Dr. Amy Bowen, welcome today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have both of you here today. So first, let's start with a little bit of your stories. Yael, can we start with you? You have a lot of experience tasting a lot of different apple varieties. Can you tell me a little bit about the orchard that you volunteer in and what types of apples you guys grow there? Sure. So uh, the orchard I volunteer in is a private orchard. It was started by a gentleman uh, named Bob Boyer here in Anchorage, Alaska when he retired. Uh, he was, his wife calls him a displaced farmer that was longing to get his hands back into farming of some kind and put it, his energy into growing fruit trees. And he and some of his buddies in the uh, Alaska Pioneer Fruit Growers Association really enjoyed pushing the limits and testing what can grow in Alaska. And um, a lot of people don't even realize we can grow fruit here, but we can. And, and they enjoyed um, contacting and, and getting in touch with people outside the state, getting scion wood from all over uh, North America, and some of it, uh, some of them are heritage varieties, and and some are not. Uh, but it, it, he seemed to really enjoy doing that. I got involved in the orchard after he passed away, uh, unfortunately from cancer, and he, um, we, his wife needed somebody to help with the orchard, and so I told her uh, I would do it as uh, an exchange for fruit. We'll work for fruit. That's my <laughs> motto. That sounds fantastic. Okay, so we'll work for fruit. So you do a lot of amazing work in the orchard. Over the years, how many different varieties of apples have you managed to taste? Well, I haven't kept track of how many I've tasted. We have about um, 300 fruit trees and probably about 200 of them are apples. And we don't have a lot of repeating varieties. So, mo so we have 120 about different varieties of apples. I probably tasted most of them over the years. That's incredible. So um, you have had in the past apple tasting gatherings or parties. Yes. Tell me a little bit about what does that look like? How many different types of apples would you have on the table? Well, we do it a little bit less formally. So I depend a lot on volunteers to help me. And so we'll do two uh, pickings in the fall. One is an earlier one that we might do in um, mid-September and then one will be late September, early October, whenever the apples are ready. And I hand the volunteers a little uh, card, three by five card, and I send them out to the orchard. I let them, I give them numbers of which trees are ready to be picked after I've checked them. And, and I encourage them in groups to pick the apples and then to take one, cut it up and share with each other and then write notes about what they've tasted. 
So it's um, not everybody is tasting everything, but, and we don't have it all laid out on a table necessarily, because if they're in the orchard, I'm going to put them to work. <laughs> okay. So this year, something different happened. Yes. yes. COVID-19 happened. How did that affect things? And tell me what your apple tasting was like this year. Well, we couldn't have as many people on the property at the same time, and we couldn't work near each other. Uh, I still encourage them to um, taste the apple that they were working on, but we weren't passing out pencils and papers and all of that. So it was really limited. Um, we didn't have a table where we could set things out to share. And so um, a lot of the tasting was up to me this year. You poor thing. So I, yeah. <laughs> so I have a picture of Yael at the table with Lord knows how many varieties there labeled in front of you. Yeah. So tell me about that day. Yeah, that was after uh, our later picking, I believe. Yes, yeah, it was September 21st, I think. So I brought some home and um, I just on a whim, decided to just lay them all out, label them and get a picture. Cause I don't, oh, I try to document and I've missed some over the years. So I wanted to make sure I got all of them. And then I have them all laid out and I thought, well, here I could just do my own apple tasting and uh, take some notes. And, you know, we're, we're all stuck at home. I've got to do something. So uh, that was a real fun project for me. I just cut a little sliver of each one and made notes in it, especially focusing on ones that I may not have tasting notes on from Okay. Year. Did you get any help? Did you get any, anybody in the family want to help you with that? Uh, I don't think so. I think my family's a bit appled out by that time of the year. <laughs> Too many so, apples. Yeah. Just yeah. you. Yeah. Just, just me you. this time. Yeah. So we have an email here. Hi, Yael. It's specifically to you. I'm listening from Anchorage. I enjoy visiting Boyer's Orchard. It's a beautiful oasis in an industrial area of Anchorage. And that's from Penny. Oh, so. yes. Penny's one of our orchard fans and volunteers. Fantastic. Thank you for writing in, Penny. Okay, so there you are with, you know, at least a couple of dozen um, apples to taste in front of you. What was that like? And can you give me some names of a few of the cultivars you were tasting? Yeah, there was actually 50 of them. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, during Amy, that tasting. I think Amy, we'll talk to Amy in a minute. She's going to be very impressed with you. 50 <laughs> apples in one shot. So tell yes. me a few of the, the different Well, cultures. we do have both outdoor growing trees at the orchard. And we also have a greenhouse that has about 80 trees. And so um, in, the, in the picture, it, it might be hard to see, but the, there's a couple rows of greenhouse trees and a couple rows of the orchard trees. And so I just tasted a variety of them. And um, let's see, there was, I know there was ginger gold that was in there that was a little bit late. That was, that's one that we have uh, several of. Um, one that I, I really enjoyed is called a Benny Shogun Fuji apple. And I hadn't really picked up on it having a great flavor that in the, in the past. So I really enjoyed it this year. Uh, it seems like sometimes, you know, they're different from one year to the next what the flavor is. So yeah. that's really interesting. So you actually tasted 50 apples. I actually did. <laughs> okay, yeah, there, it's not like I ate the whole apple, Susan. I just <laughs> a tiny little sliver. <laughs> okay, good. Hopefully the rest went to, I don't know, local apple, apple sauce and apple butter <laughs> and apple pie and all those fun things. Oh, yeah. that's great. Okay. So now let's talk to Amy. Amy, tell me a little bit about what you do, because obviously apple tasting is a big part of your life. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, I work at the Vineland Research and Innovation Center. So we're a uh, private not-for-profit horticultural research center that's located in um, uh, in Niagara in Ontario. And one of our flagship programs is our apple breeding program. So we started a, a new program to develop um, new apple varieties for sort of, you know, the Ontario market, but also that could go sort of, you know, a broader reach. Um, and so uh, my team has been uh, working on sort of understanding what it is people like about apples. Um, and if we're bringing new apples to the market, what do they need to taste like? And, you know, what does the texture need to be like? And what does the appearance of them sort of, you know, need to look like in order for people to like them? So we've done a lot of um, research over the year where we've evaluated a lot of different um, apples, both from um, like some heirloom varieties as well as commercial varieties to understand what apples we want to use um, to make the crosses in the breeding program, um, as well as we've gone to consumers with different apple varieties that have different profiles to see what it is that they like and don't like um, about apples. Because when you're doing a breeding program, what they don't like is just as important because that helps us to sort of select the ones that aren't going to get pushed forward. And then looking at now apples that are starting to come out of our breeding program um, um, and if they have the right sort of you know flavor profile sensory profile um, you know that we're interested in so now that our breeding program started in 2011 we've got sort of more and more um, fruit that's on the trees as we're as we're moving forward to commercialization hoping to have our first apple out on the market in 2028 i think that's the biggest thing people don't realize is how long it takes to get a new variety out onto the market um, so it's typically, you know, 15 to 20 years from when the apple is first crossed until an apple makes it out to the grocery store shelves. Um, just because of the, the yearly growing cycles and all the work. So one of the big things we thought at Vineland and a big part of sort of the job that I do there is since it takes so long to get a new variety to market, well, we want to make sure we're only putting the best ones forward. So if we can understand early on what the flavor profile of it is, what's going to be something that people are going to like, well, then that's good. Then we can make sure that we pair all those positive characteristics along with those, you know, grower traits that are going to be important, you know, such as, you know, it yielding fruit and it not being, you know, um, disease, being disease resistant and not being sort of difficult to grow, that it stores well since texture is so important. So that's sort of our, our big involvement um, that we've been doing at Vineland. So here we've got a quick question. Actually, it's relevant to what you just said. We've got a, an email here from Damia. Um, Damia says, what is the best climate to grow apples? I live in Wood Buffalo, Alberta. Thank you. Um, I don't know if, Yael, did you want to answer that one? Because you're in a colder climate than that, yeah, I would we're, think. we're in a cold, cold climate and a very short uh, growing season as well. Um, I think part of it depends on your uh, zone, you know, uh, your hardiness zone. But uh, I know they grow apples great even all the way in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is zone two. You know, they get minus 50 degrees uh, Fahrenheit regularly in the winter and they can still grow many varieties of apples there. So I don't think there's any place where you couldn't grow apples other than perhaps super hot desert or in the Arctic. You know? Yeah, and actually it's interesting that you were saying some of your apple trees are actually in greenhouses, but some of them are not. Many of them are not. Right? Yeah, so can you give us a couple of names of really uh, good apple trees that grow in really cold climates? Are there any particular varieties you can think of? Yes, a uh, favorite here in Alaska is uh, Norland and uh, Parkland. Uh, so the Norland's a bit earlier and the Parkland's a little bit later. They're a medium-sized apple um, and they're, they're delicious, both of them. And they're easy to grow and they're very, very hardy. Awesome. 
We've got another question here from John and John says, if you have an, if, if you have a heritage apple tree, is there any way of verifying what variety it might be? Before I put it over to you guys, I just want to say, John, you need to listen to the next show, next month's show on this, uh, this radio show, because I'm going to be interviewing somebody who can, um, for a very reasonable price, test a leaf from your tree and tell you what your tree is. But do you, um, Amy or Yael, do you have any comments about identifying what type of apple is on a tree? I get asked that a lot. <laughs> People will bring in their apples and ask me if I can tell them what is the variety. Sometimes I can take a, a guess, but um, because there's thousands of apples, many of them do look alike. And it's, it's really hard to know for sure uh, without some history on the tree and uh, the label. And, and then of course, now there's the DNA analysis that they can do, which it sounds like that's what you'll be talking about. Right, the DNA analysis. We will be talking about that and other stuff. So, okay, so let's go back just briefly as well to Amy. Now you sent me some pictures of what these tastings that you do. You do tastings with panels and you're gonna teach us a little bit uh, today and how to, to taste an apple. Um, so why is the room red? Uh, you, can you describe what the tasting room actually looks like? Uh, yeah, but first, um, I can tell you a little bit about who it is we have that comes in and tastes the apples. So what we have at Wineland is we, we have a trained sensory panel. So there are people that are from the community that we have um, recruited and screened based on their ability to be able to describe and differentiate um, and be repeatable in, in how they taste different products. So apples are one they definitely spend a lot of the fall um, evaluating. And so what we do is make sure that they can perceive differences in sweetness levels or acidity levels. And that if we gave them, you know, three different samples over three different weeks that they would give us a similar description and, and be able to give us sort of, you know, um, a similar evaluation of the product. And so that's important because when, you know, we're sometimes tasting, you know, um, well, probably as many apples as Yale, just over a longer period of time, we generally start tasting apples in September and we'll be tasting them through to January with some of them coming out of um, storage. And so what we want to do is make sure, since we can't compare every apple side by each over that period of time, that we set up sort of a framework that we're comparing, you know, all the apples based on sort of the diversity that you might see in apples and can sort of set that sort of that standard week to week so that at the end of it, we can compare all of the data and we can compare an apple tasted in September to the profile of an apple tasted in, you know, in December. So in order to do that, what we have to do is we have to take away a lot of the bias that we have as people when we taste and evaluate products. So one of the big things about, um, you know, bias when it comes to apples is the color of them. So typically, if you were to ask people, if you show people a red apple and a green apple and ask them, which one do you think sweeter? Majority of people are going to choose which one do you think? I, I think the red apple. Exactly. But there are some green apples that do have quite a bit of sweetness. We just think of green apples as Granny Smith, which are a more acidic apple. And so by giving people apples and getting them to rate the sweetness of it, if we don't remove those color cues, they might automatically discount the sweetness of that green apple just because they think it's going to be sour. 
So that's why one of the things that we try to do is we structure the tasting so that we'll give them, um, you know, um, the people on our trained panel will actually start out with a reference tray. So it's almost like some little, it's samples with different flavors and sweetness levels and different things in it that they taste to calibrate, you know, their palate so that they remember, okay, if I put this at this intensity, you know, like if I taste applesauce with some sweetness in it, I'm going to put it at this intensity. So then when they taste sweetness in other apples, they can correlate it to that and they can kind of calibrate themselves, much like you would do if you were sort of measuring, you know, measuring, you know, something with it with an instrument. So that's sort of the first part of what we do um, so that they all get on the same page and they can be consistent week to week. And we also create definitions around the attributes so that everybody's tasting things in the same way. So some things might make sense if you think of maybe honey. Okay, sure, we all know what honey tastes like, but if I'm thinking of, you know, um, you know, commercial honey I buy at the grocery store and somebody else is thinking of a wildflower honey that they bought at a farmer's market, those could have, you know, very different sort of flavor profiles. So we wanna make sure everybody's kind of zeroing in on that same sort of honey um, characteristic. And so that's part of the reason when we taste, we taste in our, our sensory lab booths, which I think I showed you some, I sent you some pictures of, and everybody's in their own little sort of cubby. Um, and that's partly so you can't see what people are doing beside you. You're in your own little world of, you know, you know, evaluating your sample. And we put red lights on because when you put the red lights on, it removes the color, um, those visual differences that you'll see in the skin of the apple. And since in North America, we usually eat our apples with the skin on, we don't want to peel the apples before we give them to our panelists because that wouldn't be indicative of grabbing that apple from your fridge or from the orchard and, and eating it. So by putting the red light on, we can mask the colors, which you might think is kind of crazy until you actually sort of do it and, and, and see it, but you can't then tell the difference if it's a red apple or a green apple or a yellow apple. They all just kind of look, you know, different sort of tones of, of, um, of, of red just kind of washes over everything. That's incredible. So people are really being well-trained. They'll yes. be, yeah. So we have an email here from Julie. Um, so Julie says, I'm listening to your apple tasting podcast. My family of four has been tasting apples over the last few weeks. We've tasted over 25 apples gathered around Toronto. We've done ratings for the, all the apples we tasted. We plan to do a final tasting for our top four to five apples with our final choice for 2020. We're constantly looking for new apples to taste. Any suggestions on where to find them? So that's from Julie in Toronto. So I live in Toronto and Julie, I have the same problem. I'm always looking for heirloom apples. That's why I look at what is so special about what Yale has. So they have all these incredible trees that you, you just can't buy that fruit in the supermarket. People would pay a lot of money just to be able to get these unique cultivars and varieties. So there is an apple orchard about three hours away from Toronto um, that does have some heirloom varieties. They're hard to get in touch with, Julie. So I'm going to try and remember to email you back with the name I'm just not sure that it will come to mind right now. Uh, but yes, just keep looking. And if you find these amazing orchards that have the unique cultivars, tell me. And, and yes, you know, Yael, we really, um, people in Anchorage are very lucky to be able to have access to these amazing cultivars through you and the work that you do in the orchard. Thank you. So. so if I can just add to that, most we do also have a heritage apple orchard at Vineland um, on our campus. And we have, I'm not sure the exact number of varieties now, 
but um, we definitely tasted a lot of varieties from that as we were starting up our breeding program. At that point, we had 100, about 100 different varieties. I know we don't have that many anymore, and we only have about, I think it's a couple of trees, you know, of each of them. We have um, relocated our, um, our heritage orchard, and we were hoping to sort of uh, be able to talk about it more, but with COVID. So that is something to kind of keep our mind, at, and as I have more information, I can provide you with that, Susan. We don't have a lot, so it's not really something that we, you know, invite people to come in and pick them, but it is something that, you know, our campus is open to the public, and so if somebody's really interested, um, we can sort of, um, happy to let people know sort of what we do have there. That's fantastic. So we've got a whole bunch more emails, some interesting ones here. One is from John in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So John says, hi, Susan, hope you're keeping well and safe. Hi, John, nice to hear from you. Um, here's my Apple questions for Yael and Amy. What does Yael rate as her top three apples in terms of sweetness and flavor that she finds also highly disease resistant in the orchard? <laughs> okay, so there's a quick question for you. Okay. And then I'll go to questions two and three in a minute. Okay, well, that is a really tough question because it changes every year. Um, and so I would say this year, uh, one of my favorites was rosy gold, um, rosy glow, I'm sorry, which is related to pink lady. And it was, I think, allowed to ripen longer than, and, than I had in past years. I really enjoyed the flavor of it for sweetness. Um, another good one is Molly's Delicious. Another, that's another great uh, variety that's disease resistant, dwarf, and also sweet. I'm definitely on the sweeter end of the spectrum. Some people like theirs tart. I like mine very sweet. And um, another one I really enjoyed this year was uh, Spitzenberg. That's a heritage uh, one that um, goes back uh, several hundred years, I believe. So, and it was also, uh, very, very much a very sweet compared to years past because I let it really ripen on the tree longer than I have before. Okay, so now Amy, similar question. What are your top three Ontario apples in terms of sweetness and flavor that you also find highly disease resistant that are from the Vineland facility? Well, coming out of the Vineland facility, we don't have any of our apples yet. They're still in sort of the research and development um sort of aspect of it but we're hoping in the next eight years that our, our first one will be out there as i said it's it's a long uh, road to uh getting new varieties out there um in terms of sort of flavor you know i can uh sort of talk about some that i like but i, I will always put the caveat there is i always tend to not say it doesn't matter what i like the best is sort of what everybody likes for themselves and so that's a big part of the work that we do is understanding, you know, what is it that different consumers and, and different people do like. One apple that I hadn't heard of before um, that, uh, you know, I do like that we find in, in Ontario and at the farmer's markets, it's a yellow apple, um, Aurora Golden Gala. I find it to be a very sweet sort of crisp apple, um, but it's one, it doesn't do as well going through um, the production lines. And so it's something you're going to find at farmer's markets or, you know, at sort of farm stands, but not so much at the grocery store. So maybe that's part of the reason why I like it because it's a bit more unique. So when you do find it, it's something kind of special. So his third question, John is filled with questions today, is is there, this is a great one, is there anything an apple grower can grow alongside their trees to increase their apple sweetness or honey flavors? I can just see John pouring honey on the soil around his tree <laughs> in the hope that it draws up that flavor. Do you guys know of anything like that? 
Unfortunately, it's going to come down to the variety and the genetics of that variety, what the, the volatiles that create those honey, you know, like characteristics, you know, are within it. So um, it's just going to be a matter of, of finding the apple varieties that you like that have that and, and trying them out, hope that they grow well for you and that they get that sensory profile. But again, you know, as um, you know, has been mentioned, the growing year is going to also impact the amount of those volatiles that, that accumulate in the apples and therefore the intensity of them that's perceived. So he, he sums up by saying his favorite, my favorite of all my apple espaliers I grow is Celestia a fairly rare heirloom apple originally described in 1885. Unbelievably crisp and sweet, delicious when my squirrels leave some for me. So thank you, John, for that. We've got a few more quick questions. Uh, let's see what we've got here. Uh, another John writes, who's a different John? Oh, he's responding. John says, he was the one who's interested in identifying his heirloom variety. He said, that's perfect. I will listen to next month's show and looking forward to the next show. And let's see what else we've got. Everybody's very chatty. This is wonderful. <laughs> Yola writes, hello from Long Beach, California. What an interesting show topic today. I know that you're not talking about this particular apple, but have anybody, have any of you tried the Macoon apple? M-A-C-O-U-N, the Macoon apple. It's the most delicious apple that I have ever eaten. It's a cross between the Mac and Jersey black cultivars. Absolutely stunning. Your take on this. Thank you. Susan, love the show. Yola. <laughs> so Macoon, any feedback on Macoon apples? We actually do have one growing at, at Boyers and it is a, a heritage variety and it is delicious. It's a late ripening one. So it's another one that I really have to be patient with. <laughs> really patient waiting for it to, to ripen. So the tree, the Macoon that we have does not produce a lot. So when I get one or two, I consider it really great. <laughs> and what about you, Amy? Is that one that you're familiar with? I know that we uh, do yeah, grow it, here. Yeah, it is one I'm familiar with. It is one that we have, um, have, in our heritage orchard and one that our, our sensory panel has profiled, uh, you know, a few years ago now. Um, but yeah, no, it is one. I can't remember off the top of my head right now though, because um, <laughs> it's not one that we get sort of a lot of yield on or, or that I've sort of seen very often uh, what, the, what the flavor of it is off the top of my head. But yeah, it's definitely a name I recognize. I have actually had the Macoon. It is one that is available in, I think one of the local, um, pick your own orchards in Ontario. And I do remember I enjoyed it. So uh, that's good. So we've got a quick email here from Will. Hello, Reality Radio. My name is Will. I hope I'm not too late for the giveaway. So Will wants to enter our contest. <laughs> and let's see, we've got something here from Al. Al says, hello, Susan. I have Cortland and ginger gold apples in my garden. I do love ginger gold, by the way. I find that the flavor and taste of these two varieties is quite different from the taste of supermarket ones. Much more delicious and sweet than mine. Oh, interesting. The supermarket apples are much bigger with no pores on the skin. So I wonder if Al is asking, hey, why aren't my apples tasting as good as supermarket apples? Any thoughts on that? Again, it's because of varieties. Um, it sounds like maybe he should try growing or adding some other varieties to, he could graft some new varieties to try. It could be that the ones he um, 
you know, maybe it's a soil, it could be a soil health issue also getting your soil tested to make sure that it's balanced is really important because that's, you know, part of that and um, making sure also that the trees have access to sunlight that's they, they need to be in the sun to fully ripen. So th there could be issues like that. It could be a pruning issue where it needs more air as well. So yeah, it's, it's hard to know. <laughs> yeah, my feedback on that is the same. It's like mm -hmm. so much of what you get out of the tree is what you put into it. That's why mm -hmm. I teach online fruit tree care courses because people don't necessarily know that pruning actually improves the flavor of the fruit Absolutely. and improves ripe, ripening and things like that. So if your trees are not producing fruit to the standard that you're hoping, then have a look and see what is it that you can do to improve the health of your tree. And you'll find that that tree really wants to produce yummy fruit for you. You just, it just needs a little help from you. So we've got one more email again from John. This is John in Toronto. We have a couple of Johns in Toronto, but John says, hi, Susan, there is a fruit tree nursery near Wellesley, Ontario called Silver Creek Nursery that car carries many heritage apple varieties. In non-COVID years, they offer an apple tasting event, a great opportunity to try different varieties. Well, John, thank you so much because I think that is a cue to go to our commercial break because one of our sponsors happens to be Silver Creek Nursery. We have two wonderful nurseries that sponsor the show. So listen carefully to the ads. So ladies, are you okay staying on the line for a couple of minutes while we listen to our um, sponsors say a few words? For sure, for sure. Okay, great stuff. So hold on the line. In the meantime, you are listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101, and I'm Susan Poisner, author of the award-winning fruit tree care book, Growing Urban Orchards, and we'll be back right after the break. If you're listening to this show, you are passionate about fruit trees. But do you care how your trees are grown? Silver Creek Nursery is a family-owned business, and we grow our fruit trees sustainably using only organic inputs. We stock a huge range of cultivars, like Wolf River, an apple tree that produces fruit so large you can make an entire pie with just one apple. We also carry red-fleshed apples, like Pink Pearl, as well as heirloom and disease-resistant varieties of apples, pears, apricots, cherries, and more. We ship our trees across Canada, and we can also supply you with berry canes and edible companion plants to plant near your trees. At Silver Creek Nursery, we grow fruit trees for a sustainable food future. Learn more about us at silvercreeknursery.ca. Hey gardeners, it's JJ here, your Aussie gardening expert. We all know young, newly planted trees need to be watered deeply and regularly to kickstart growth. But correct irrigation just isn't as easy as you would think. Sprinklers waste bucket loads of water and they wet the leaves and branches which can result in the spread of nasty fungal diseases. At Greenwell, we have a system to direct the water deep 
down into the soil to the roots of your trees where it's needed most. But watering takes time. So municipalities across North America, Europe and Australia are now saving time and money by using Greenwell water savers for newly planted trees. So why don't you? Dig the easy to install recycled plastic rings into the soil around your young trees. Then each week, you can fill the rings with up to 50 litres of water and that water filters deep down into the root system where it is needed. Think of Greenwell Water Savers as your insurance policy for young trees. Learn more at greenwellwatersavers.com. If you're thinking of planting fruit trees and you're looking for a wide selection of cultivars, consider Whiffle Tree Nursery. Our 62-page full-color catalog includes 300 varieties of fruit and nut trees, berries, grapes, and other edible perennial plants. Not only that, in our catalog, we help you through the selection process with tips and advice about all aspects of growing fruit trees. You could learn about adding nitrogen-fixing plants, rootstock choices, and even about planting a windbreak if you have a windy site. We're a one-stop shop as we sell fruit tree care books, pruning tools, organic sprays, and natural fertilizers. We're located in Alora, Ontario, but we can ship all over Canada. Call us at 519-669-1349 to order your catalog. That's 519-669-1349. Whiffle Tree Nursery. Call us today. Welcome back to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101. To get on board right now, send us an email. Our email address is instudio101 at gmail.com. And now, right back to your host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show, Susan Poisner. You're listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show and podcast, brought to you by the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. This is Reality Radio 101, and I'm your host, Susan Poisner, author of the award-winning fruit tree care book, Growing Urban Orchards. In the show today, we are having an apple tasting party. And we're going to learn how to evaluate apples like the experts do. There are literally hundreds of different cultivars that you can grow in your own backyard if you order them from a specialist fruit tree nursery. But for today's show, we have decided to taste three different apple varieties that most people can easily buy from their local shops. And they are Gala, Granny Smith, and Honeycrisp apples. So go to your fridge if you have those apples. We're going to taste them in just a minute. My guests on the show today are Yael Hickok, a volunteer who cares for Boyer's Orchard in Anchorage, Alaska, that has over 120 different varieties of apple trees. And my other guest is Dr. Amy Bowen, Director of Consumer Insights Group at Vineland Research and Innovation Center in Ontario. Before we start tasting, I would love to hear from you, the listeners. Have you ever attended an apple tasting party? What was it like? 
or tell me what your different, your favorite apple variety is. Just send us an email right now to instudio101 at gmail.com and tell us your first name and where you are from and we will enter you into today's contest. We have two prizes. One is the Apple Cookbook by Olwyn Woodier, valued at $14.95 and our second prize is a set of Vineland stainless steel glasses and a Vineland pen. So write us at instudio101 at gmail.com and do remember to include your first name and where you are writing from. So Amy and Yael, before we continue, we've got one other quick question here um, from a listener. Hello, thanks for a very good show today. I am a fan of Dr. Bowen's. Any new books coming out? It is Christmas time. Thanks. And that's from Dan. Amy, do you have a book? No. <laughs> Not that okay. I know. Well, I think it's time for you to write one, actually. I, guess so. I think that the time has come. I, uh, uh, scientific publications and uh, news articles and stuff. But uh, so thank you, Dan. But clearly you have a fan. Okay. Another quick <laughs> uh, uh, email here from Carla. Hello, ladies. A question a little bit off topic. Dr. Amy was an expert on wine tasting as well. Is that true? Excellent taste buds. Ha! And that is Carla from Boulder, Colorado. So you are a sommelier as well. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Yes. So I do have wine tasting experience. That's how I really got interested in, uh, um, you know, sensory and consumer science and, you know, realizing that you can do all of this work in terms of well, I started in the wine industry in terms of, you know, growing the grapes and managing your vineyard, which is very analogous to the same as with apples. But in the end, if you can't taste the efforts of it all, and if people don't like it, then what does it really matter? You should really focus on what people are interested in. So that's where I've become really, you know, interested in understanding what are the consumer drivers and why I always say it doesn't matter what one I like, it matters what you like, because you're going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, purchasing it and buying it and sort of driving the market that way. Mm -hmm. So one more quick email, and this is from Suzanne. Uh, Suzanne writes, I love McGowan apples too. Found McGowan, McCowan. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, she says, found them in New Jersey and now I live out West and I haven't seen them yet. Do you guys sell trees? Maybe I can grow it here in Oregon. And yes, I'd love to win the cookbook. So Suzanne wants to enter the contest. Um, Suzanne, uh, Orchard People doesn't sell fruit trees, but if you Google orchardpeople.com and then fruit tree nurseries, I have a fruit tree nursery list, specialist fruit tree nurseries, and you'll find a fruit tree nursery near you and they will carry fantastic cultivars. So check that out. Okay, Amy, it's time for us to do some fruit tasting big time. We've got three mm. apples. We've got Gala, Honeycrisp, Granny Smith. And all three of us on this show today have our apple tasting cutting board. So lead us through, how do we start? How can we start our apple tasting now? Okay, well, to start, I'm just bringing my apples in front of me here. <laughs> I guess if I go like this, you can see, see I do have my apples. <laughs> um, so what do you start with? I think the first thing to remember is it's important that they're all sort of at the same temperature. And we recommend when you taste apples to have them at room temperature and preferably to take them out of the fridge 24 hours before you were to do the tasting so that the flavors have time to develop so that you can really um, evaluate sort of the, those nuances um, that you perceive within the apples. 
So um, another important thing when thinking about apple tasting, um, especially if you're doing quite a few varieties, is that a lot of apple varieties oxidize. So they start to turn brown. And as that browning occurs, that's also going to impact the flavor of them and, and what you perceive on, on the palate. So it's important to cut them fresh just before you're going to be evaluating it to make sure that it, you're giving each you know, apple its, its sort of fair comparison. So. Um, that's what we thought we'd do today. In terms of picking sort of the three apples, um, you know, as you uh, uh, mentioned, Susan, that we pick them so that they be widely available everywhere. Um, in terms of gala, you know, that apple's been around since about the 1930s. Um, it was bred in New Zealand, um, and it's known for just having a very sort of, you know, pleasant, sweet profile, sort of a, it, it pleases everybody type of apple. And it actually in 2019 took over as the biggest producing variety in the, um, in the US, and it's also a top producer in um, Canada and in Ontario. So it so, took over from Macintosh, right? Wasn't it our Ontario Macintosh that was the biggest uh, seller before that? So Macintosh is still the biggest grown in Ontario, okay. um, but in the U.S. it was Red Delicious in terms of production. So um, Gala just took that over in 2019. So it's, okay. a, it's a crowd pleaser. So we thought that would be a good one to have for the tasting today. Do you want me to go through all three of them or just go through each one after we taste it? Yeah, let's do, let's do a tasting of Gala and then okay. we can talk about the history of the next one. So then um, just in terms of it, what we usually do is just cut it into wedges. So we'd normally just cut it in half and then cut it into wedges so that each one's kind of its own size. And then the other thing we do is take the seeds out. So for you don't have to eat around those. For the listeners, you guys are gonna hear a lot of cutting and crunching now. Yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, a typical apple, we would cut into probably eight pieces. Um, a bigger apple, maybe cut into, um, you know, cut into sort of smaller, but what you want is like a wedge of apple so that you've got the skin and then the flesh, and then you want to um, bite it in the same way um, so that everybody's sort of perceiving it. And we generally do it with the skin and the flesh. So you just sort of bite into it and make the evaluation. Um, so one of the things we thought is in terms of it, what we're usually looking for when you're evaluating apples is thinking about sort of some of the flavor characteristics of it. Um, so if you have your, the tasting sheet in front of you, we sort of picked out four um, aroma and flavors. And the reason putting that first is because one thing you can do is you can smell the wedge before you even eat it. And that can have, there could be some sort of flavors or aromas, aromas that are there that you might perceive that might be different between, you know, each of them. So, okay, so often it's a listener. So I'm just going to interrupt a second. So on at orchardpeople.com on the promotion for this page. So it's orchardpeople.com slash apple tasting party, apple dash tasting dash party. You can download the apple tasting handout that Amy has prepared. And so you listeners, you can just listen through to the categories, but if you want to do this with us, um, print out or have a look at the handout that Amy's talking about. Okay, so back to you, Amy. We've okay. got our handout. We've got our slice of gala apple. What's next? So then what we're going to do is we're going to go through and evaluate it based on its sort of aroma and flavor. I just picked kind of um, four kind of key characteristics. So that overall apple intensity. So thinking about it, how apple-y is it when you think of, you know, that sort of overall. And would you rate that kind of low, medium or high compared to other apples that you are used to eating? 
We also put honey in there, floral, because those are two things that people usually really like the taste of or the flavors of um, in apples. And then green herbaceous, which is another note that you'll sometimes find um, um, in apples. Um, but not always. You don't have to have all of these in, in any of in all of them. So what you do is you can smell it and then um, we'll take a bite of it and then we'll see if we perceive any of those flavors um, when we're sort of chewing on it in mouth and then also pay attention to the taste of it. So there's a lot of things we could look at, but for this, I thought we'd just talk about the two most important that people think about, which is sweet and acid, right? And people, some people like them really tart, some people like them really sweet, and some people talk about that sweet acid balance that's so important for, for a good apple. So it's gonna depend on you, but this is what we can do is rate that. And then the final thing, which is another key attribute for is the texture. So do you find it crisp? Do you find it juicy? Um, if you don't find it crisp, then it's probably gonna be on the low end if, if it's a little bit softer. Hopefully um, none of you have any mealy apples at home, but that would be sort of something else that, that you could look at. I was being optimistic, so I didn't put that on the sheet. <laughs> okay, so let's yell. How about you and I, let's have a sniff. We'll start off with that, those four aroma flavor categories. One is overall apple intensity, then there's honey, then there's floral and green herbaceous. If you smell this gala apple, yeah, what are you getting out of it? Because I know what I got out of it right away. I don't know if I'm right. I get a little bit of the herbaceous uh, smell. That's not I something, get, yeah. I get a herbaceous smell too. To me, yeah. when I smell this apple, I've never done this before. I smell grass. Yeah. I smell yeah. fresh cut grass. I have never smelled an apple like that before. <laughs> in terms of the other uh, categories, Oprah, overall apple intensity doesn't smell apple-y to me, mm -hmm. doesn't smell honey-ish to me, and it doesn't smell floral. What about you? What do you think? Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's just that, that new spring grassy kind of smell is what's huh. coming uh, forward. And, and uh, yeah, I've never noticed that before either. So I'm really glad we're doing this. I get to so, notice new tones that I've never paid attention to before. So Amy, is it a good idea? Should we now take a bite and yep. do we look at those Please. four categories or think about them again after eating it? Yeah, so then take a bite and then you'll kind of think about those overall intensities and then also the, the sweetness and the, uh, the acidity. And also when you bite into it, that's when the texture really comes through, right? So you, it's not even just what you, you feel in mouth, but also the sound that can also be part of the, you know, that sort of influence, especially around Chris. Okay, so I took a bite, um, but I'm going to put it out, out to you, Yael, first. What, in terms of those four original categories, apple intensity, honey, floral, and green herbaceous, what do you get when you taste this apple, this gala apple? Um, I would say I taste some honey, but not a not a ton of it. So maybe a medium on the honey. I don't notice the floral or the herbaceous tones when I'm eating it. Um, and as far as the um, texture, it's not the crispiest, but it's not too soft. So it's kind of medium is what so I would say. On this chart over, um, I, I agree, I taste and we have on the chart, you see there's low, medium and high levels for each category. Overall apple intensity, I would say is there. It does taste apple-y, but I would say it's yes. low. Yes. Honey, maybe between low and medium. Floral, I don't get any floral. And even though I smelled the uh, green herbaceous, I can't taste it. Right. I'm Same turning here. over my sheet and under sweet or acid. 
I'm getting medium sweetness, maybe above medium. Acid, not too much. What about no. you? Do you get any acid, you guys? And then in terms of texture, there's the option of crisp and juicy. So crisp, I'm going to go for medium. I'm not yeah. saying it's totally grainy, but it's a little grainy. And juiciness, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Yes. Kind of a middle of the road apple. <laughs> it's a middle of the road apple. When you've tasted really interesting cultivars, you kind of go that, you know, everybody loves gala. You get it at the supermarket, but I really love whatever. Mm -hmm. So, okay, should we go, Amy, what do you think? Should we try a second, our second apple now? Yep. So let's go on to the second apple. I'll just say about gala, but I think exactly having kind of the middle intensity is why it's a crowd pleaser, right? There's nothing there that's going to offend or take away. And so it just is, you know, it sits sort of happy in the middle where somebody finds something they like about it. And I think that's why it's such a popular apple. It's, it's, so it's a good standard, a good kind of reference to have when you're doing a tasting to kind of you know, look at what a, what a kind of classic, um, you know, apple profile is. So what's a good next one to follow up? Well, let's go something different. So why don't we go with the, the Granny Smith, the, the green apple? Okay, we're going to cut our green apples. In the meantime, I'll read, we've got an email here from Nancy. Good afternoon, just tuned in. I see that Yael usually has an apple tasting party every year. Is that still going on due to COVID? Secondly, when she does have a party, is it open to the public or just by invitation? I think that that would be a fantastic party to attend. I love apples and she lives in Mesa, Arizona. Oh my gosh, you guys would, you should get, sell tickets to those apple tasting parties. Yes, um, yeah, a bit far from Alaska. <laughs> but what I would recommend is looking for a club or a fruit growers club or organization like that nearby and they will probably have their own fruit tasting and apple tasting. So just like ours does, and I know there's local ones all over that I'm familiar with, Washington and Oregon. I don't know about Arizona, but I'm sure there's, there's gotta be some nearby. So we also have an email from Cindy. Hello, Susan. I wanted to say the apple tasting flavor wheel is pure genius. I put a link to that on our promo as well. She says, thank you for making that available to your listeners. Your guests are amazing. Yes, I know my guests are amazing. Um, I'm learning so much. I wish that all of you were on TV or a live video stream so we could see everything you're doing. Loving you in Seattle, Washington. What a beautiful email, Cindy. And I am recording a video even as we speak. And so there'll be a shorter video version available in the next couple of days so you can go back and see some of this. Um, so that's fantastic. Thank you, Cindy. So next we are going, uh, keep us going. What happens? We're doing our Granny Smith apple, right? Yes. So we're doing the Granny Smith apple. So Granny Smith apple is another kind of standard apple. Most people think of a green apple, The Granny Smith is sort of what comes to mind. So this apple was actually developed in um, 1868 and it comes from Australia originally. Um, and um, you know, it's known for having sort of, actually, I'm not going to tell you what it's known for. Let's do the tasting sheet first. I don't want to bias you. So we'll, we'll go through and we'll evaluate it. And then we can see if we come up with the, the profile that uh, they would sort of classify this as. So we've got our sort of wedge here then of the Granny Smith. And we'll just take a smell of that. Mm. Okay, Yael, what do you say? I again, never, not to compare not yeah. to compare it backwards, but to be thinking of it in its own right, how you would evaluate right. it in terms of, you know, 
the, the overall apple intensity, honey, floral, and, and green herbaceous. Sorry not to cut you off there. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm smelling the herbaceous, almost woody smell to it. I'm, uh, that's what I'm getting from that. You know what I'm getting? Uh, that was my first thing as well. Green herbaceous, the fresh cut grass, but it's a little off, like it's a little different. But I do smell a little bit of honey in there. Just a bit, more than the last one. Okay. I know we're not supposed to compare back. Um, <laughs> I'm not getting floral. I'm not, not getting any apple intensity smell at all. No. So shall we crunch? Yeah, let's crunch. <laughs> mm. Wow. This is interesting because when I think of Granny Smith, I think, oh, it's gonna be so tart. It's actually quite sweet. No, it is, I agree. So, um, Gail, what do you want to, do you want to go through your, your ratings? Sure. Um, I'd say it's between a medium and high intensity. Um, the honey level, I would say, is about medium. I don't taste a lot of floral or green herbaceous. And, uh, yeah, I'd say, like, sweetness is about middle and acidity somewhere between medium and high. For me, the uh, texture is more crisp and it's more juicy. So like medium to high on those two, I would say. So so I the first bite, I definitely got honey. So again, our first four is overall apple intensity. I'm not getting too much apple flavor here. Mm -hmm. When you really think about it, I know, you know that I'm eating an apple, but I don't think, gee, this tastes like an apple. If there was such a thing as apple ice cream, this is what it would <laughs> taste like, no. Honey, I'm getting floral, not really, no green herbaceous too much. Uh, sweetness, I'm getting medium to a little above medium. Acid, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess a little above medium. Texture is crisp and the juiciness um, is a little above medium. So again, it's kind of, Amy, you were talking about these run of the mill, like medium apples that can please everybody. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, but I would say the biggest difference that I perceive here is the acidity. And you have to think of it not as instant acid sort of builds. If you start getting that kind of salivation, you're sort of feeling at the back of your throat, that's that high acid perception. That's the physiological response that you, you have in your mouth when you perceive something with acid. So if you just sort of wait with me, this apple made me salivate a lot more. And so I would rate that, that you know, as that higher acid perception to it. And the same thing with the flavor, I do get some of that green herbaceous, but not right away. I have to let it kind of linger in my mouth that some of the, you know, the, the sweetness has to sort of go away. And then that sort of finish, the aftertaste of it is that, that green kind of grassy note. And then that sort of high acidity coming through, which really kind of distinguishes this apple um, for me. I get that. That's interesting. When you said to hang in there and let the flavor develop in my mouth, I can get a little bit of the grassiness. Before we keep going, I want to check with our amazing producer, Gary. Gary, we're running a little bit late. Are you okay if the show runs a bit over time? Sure thing. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Gary. So too bad Gary isn't tasting apples today. In, my, in my thoughts, I am. <laughs> in your thoughts, you are. Okay, that's good. So let's then move on to our third apple today. Okay. 
So our third apple today is Honeycrisp. So I chose it because it's sort of, well, kind of an apple that took the world by storm, right? When it came out onto the market. But what most people don't realize is this actual apple was actually bred in 1960 and it took 31 years to come to market. <laughs> and it wasn't, wow. so 1991 was when it was available for growers and 1997 is when it first got to grocery stores. So it just shows the long road it takes to get an apple. Um, and all sort of the work that goes into it. So this apple here, it comes out of the University of Minnesota um, breeding program in the US and really kind of shook up the apple world in terms of consumers loving it and it having this sort of very kind of uh, profile that they just sort of latched onto and, and having sort of this great name. So we can, if we've got time, we can talk a little bit more about it, but I guess let's taste it because that's what the most important part of it is right now. But okay, give you well, a little first, bit of background. Before on we it. have a sniff, I just want to go through a couple more little emails. We've got a nice email from Bob. Hello, I know this is a question that is always asked or may have been asked already on your radio show. What is the absolute best apple to make an apple pie or apple tarts? Thank you very much for your answer. And Bob says, licking my lips in Hoboken, New Jersey. <laughs> so any answer to Bob? Well, the I'd say apples? mix them up. That's the best thing for oh. making pie. Mix, mix them, them up. up. You get a real, you get a more complex flavor and texture. Okay. But, but typically off, people will often say that apples with higher acidity are better for, um, are better for baking. So things like um, um, like an, an Ida Red or a Northern Spy are, are two big varieties that they use a lot for, for baking. One, because of the, their acid and also sometimes two, they want apples that will hold up a little bit better. So Granny Smith can work as well too, um, you know, for baking because it sort of holds its texture. And as well too with the higher acid apples is you can always add more sugar if you want it to be a little bit sweeter, right? But you can get that nice sort of acid sweet balance that's so important in cooking. If they don't hold the shape, then you can have like an apple pie with like sauce in it rather than pieces of apples. So you want to watch out for that. But that's where the blend as Yael said could be fantastic because then you get a little bit of all those different textures in there if you're a texture person. I want, let's go to Yael's house and have some pie. I bet you she has a lot in the freezer after all the cooking. <laughs> she I, I do can my apple pie filling. So I've got, oh. I've got cans and cans of it to enjoy during the winter. Okay, so, yeah. well, yeah. Amy and I are gonna fly up and come for a visit. <laughs> okay, so we've got our honey crisp apple. Yael yeah. and I are gonna smell it. Yeah, now this one has a strong aroma. I smelled it as soon as I cut into it. It just kind of filled the area with this. I don't know how to describe it. To me, it's like almost like a wine smell. I don't know. What do you think? So uh, the, the one that I have, I smell it, but I'm working hard. So it just goes to show oh. how different mm -hmm. apples from different places. Maybe this is an older one. Who knows? And if I'm going to put it in our four categories, apple intensity, no. Honey, maybe it smells like honey. Floral, nah, I don't think so. And green herbaceous, I don't think so. So honey is my best bet for this smell. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have so, a crunch. So to me, I found it very high in the overall apple intensity. And this is the only one I got floral on the nose. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Okay, let's okay. try it. Shall we crunch? Mm. Wow. I got to tell you, the first time I ever tried Honeycrisp apples, I was over the moon. I couldn't believe how amazing they were. Mm -hmm. Found them at a farmer's market. They were brand new in farmer's markets at the time. So, Yale, do you want to go through your tasting handout here? Sure. Honeycrisp? 
Yes, um, definitely. I would rate it high on the apple intensity and the honey flavor. And I do taste the floral. I didn't smell it so much, but I taste something floral in there and um, nothing of the green or herbaceous that I'm noticing. Um, sweetness, I would say, is between medium and high. And there's some acidity. I would say that's, for me, between low and medium. Texture hmm. is fairly crisp and very juicy. Yeah. It just goes to show from place to place, from orchard to orchard, your results would be different. Mm -hmm. Apple intensity, I'm getting a little bit of it. This definitely tastes apple-y to me. Mm -hmm. Honey, a little bit. Floral, none. Green herbaceous tasting, nah. -uh. Sweet, I would say medium, like medium to high. It's a very sweet apple. And I'm getting acid in here. I wouldn't, wasn't expecting that, but I'm, I think I'm getting acid. Yep, there's definitely acidity. Oh, is there? Okay. And it's not something I ever thought of when you think of a honey crisp apple. You don't think, oh, it's a very acidic apple. Really? In terms of crispness, it's crisp, but a little, mine is a little mealy, just a little bit. And there is, it's quite juicy. I would say above medium and juiciness. What about you, Amy? Yeah, no, I would I would agree with most of, of what you're saying. I think what really stands out to me on, on this one is the aromatics, like the, the, the flavor, it's just the intensity is that much higher than the other two apples. Like just even when I would sort of rate them, they would both be in that sort of, you know, medium plus medium high kind of kind of category. And then the texture, even cutting into it, my fingers were so wet and sort of sticky compared to cutting, you know, the other two apples. So that juiciness that you get in mouth, um, and that kind of the crispness that's there. And, and that's really what, you know, stands out about Honeycrisp, why it's such a, um, you know, a, a favorite is that it actually has, um, uh, it's actually sort of shown at the cellular level that it's got a different structure than other apples, which allows it to have that sort of real crisp and juicy release. Mm -hmm. So we'll right into it. this has been amazing because I will never taste an apple in the same way. And um, I also put online a link I found to an apple, what is it called? It's the apple flavor wheel, an apple flavor wheel. And I like how they divide it up into the different kinds of flavors you may find in different apples. So if people wanna to go to orchardpeople.com slash apple dash tasting dash party, you can download that as well. This has been an amazing apple tasting party. I am so happy that you both joined me for this party in a time in our world where we got to find reasons to have fun, right? Absolutely. This is great. <laughs> this is great. And so I so appreciate, Amy, you teaching us and empowering us in this way so that we can look at the apples and taste them in a different way. Oh, you're welcome. It's always fun to do. It's fun to do. Now, time for prizes. We had lots of emails in the show today. And Gary, do you have a little bucket with our names of people? that I in the do, and I will shake them up right now. All okay, right. Let's do the first prize. The first prize is the book. The first prize is the book. Let's see who we have here. And this is... L.R. from Toronto. Eldo. L.R.? L. Eldo R. L.R. Oh, okay. From Toronto. Congratulations, L.R. from Toronto. Yes. We are going to, I'm going to get your email. We will send you an email to say that you won the book. 
you will send us your address and we will get the book sent to you. And this is a really nice book. It's a cookbook with apple recipes, but she also refers to these interesting cultivars, not just what you find in the supermarket. So you'll really enjoy the book. Our second prize is from Vineland Research and it's the cups, stainless steel cups, tasting cups and uh, pens. So who won our second okay, prize? Okay, let's just do this one more time. And this is for Will L. And Will didn't say where he's from, but the name is Will. Last name starts with an L. Will L. Will, you are a winner as well. Actually, everybody's a winner who joined us for the show today because we all learned so much. But Will, you've got your prize coming. And um, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show today. And thank you so much to you guys, to Yael, to Amy, for joining me on the show I hope that you will come back again. Maybe next year we'll do another apple tasting party together. Sounds like fun. Yeah. And Yael, is there any way that people can learn more about your orchard if they want to follow up? Yeah. The best way is is on Facebook. Look for Boyer's Orchard and Greenhouse in Alaska. There's a lot of Boyer's orchards out there, uh, especially in the East Coast of the U.S. But look for the one that's in Alaska that's my page. I'm the one that answers the messages and you can follow along for some of the fun things that we, we do. So. And Amy, if anybody wants to know anything about Vineland Research, how can they find you? Uh, well, the best way is to go to our website, which is vinelandresearch.com, um, where we have uh, information about our research programs. We just released our, our latest innovation report. So you can read about um, different activities that are happening. And then also we have social media pages on Twitter um, and LinkedIn. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and goodbye for now. We're going to wrap up the show for now. You All take right. care, guys. Thank okay. You. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was Yael Hickok, a volunteer who cares for Boyer's Orchard, Orchard in Anchorage, Alaska, and Dr. Amy Bowen director of Consumer Insights Group at Vineland Research and Innovation Center. Did you enjoy the show today? If you did, go to your podcatcher like iTunes or Stitcher and press the subscribe button. And while you're there, please do rate and review this show. Your ratings and feedback make me feel great, which is wonderful, but they'll also help to bring more listeners to the show, making it possible for me to continue producing this show for many years to come. So that's it for today's episode of the Urban Forestry Radio Show. To listen again or to download other episodes, you can find them at orchardpeople.com podcast. I'm Susan Poisner from the Fruit Tree Care Training website, orchardpeople.com. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to digging into a new fruit tree care topic with you next month. You've been listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show on Reality Radio 101. To learn more about the show and to download the podcast where I cover lots more great topics, 
you can visit orchardpeople.com slash podcast. This show is broadcast live on the last Tuesday of every month. And each time I have great new guests talking to me about fruit trees, food forests, and our boar culture. If you're interested in learning more about growing your own fruit trees, or just about living a more sustainable life, go to orchardpeople.com and sign up for my information-packed monthly newsletter. If you like this show, please do like our Orchard People Facebook page. You can also follow me on Twitter at at Urban Fruit Trees. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been wonderful to have you as a listener, and I hope to see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Urban Forestry Radio Show with your host, Susan Poisner, right here on Reality Radio 101.